back in October, Ezra and I, my husband, uh, for the first time in like, well, ever actually, uh, we went on a trip alone. Um, we got married in 1999, and since then, uh, we've had a lot of kids and haven't gone anywhere. So um, we realized all of a sudden we have these kids that can take care of themselves, and we're just kind of a formality. So uh, it was the very beginning of October. We took a trip to Las Vegas with just him and I. Um, first trip in 20 years since our honeymoon. And um, while we were in Las Vegas, and neither of us had ever been because we hadn't gone anywhere. We got married when I was 19. He was 21. And then four years later, started having kids. We were in school. We were working. All that kind of good stuff. Uh, so needless to say, it was you know, uh, pretty exciting to be able to do this thing where it's just him and I. And um, we left on a Friday. And then on Sunday, we found a church in Las Vegas that we wanted to visit. And I was uh, you know, texting and checking in on the kids and stuff. And um, my oldest son was like, wait a minute, you're going to church while you're in Las Vegas? What in the world is going on here? I'm like, yeah, of course. So we visited the church while we were in Las Vegas, and something kind of neat happened that has to do with all of you guys. While we were there, um, the message was great, the music was great, the people were incredible. And um, while we were in a time of prayer, uh, there was a a scripture that kind of popped out to me. And for whatever reason, uh, I felt really heavy on my heart that this scripture was meant for the people of New Hope. Um, So I'm excited to share that with you this morning. And I don't know why that particular scripture was meant for you guys, um, but God does. And so um, before we get started, I actually want to share with you about a really, really close friend of mine, Kathy. Uh, Kathy, when I met her many, many, many years ago, um, we were quick friends. We just connected. She's really silly. She's goofy. She's smart. She's fun. And um, we just connected. Uh, And Kathy was, at that time, at kind of the end of a long, difficult process of fighting cancer. She had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, And she had three small children at the time. And... um, She had two forms of it. One was aggressive and one was non-aggressive. And she went to see a specialist who told her basically there's no recovery from this and that she probably had about five years. So enter in a lot of people praying and hoping and lifting her up. And miraculously, Kathy went into remission. Um, She had uh, decided to start what was a relatively new treatment at the time, and it was very effective. And... She was stable for around 10 years. So that in and of itself was just a huge miracle. And Kathy's the type of person that um, she sees a need. She's kind of a visionary. You know those people that kind of see a hole that you don't really know is there? And she can imagine ways to make it grow and thrive and you know that kind of stuff. So she, would, she was the type of person that would come in and start something up and get it rolling. And then she'd move on to the next thing and start it up and get it rolling, put people in place. And... Um, just such a joy, just full of life and excitement. Even what she'd been through, it didn't slow her down. She was just excited to love God, excited to love her family, excited to serve her community, and I was excited to be her friend. Um, So in 2008, while she was on shift, she was a labor and delivery nurse, which I I was just so fortunate. She worked over at Sutter, and when we had our very first baby, he came early. And it was kind of a like shocking thing. I thought I had a whole month left before I got to have my first baby, but here I was in labor, rushing to the hospital, and she was like, 
hey, don't worry, I'll meet you there. She's a labor and delivery nurse, and she was there through the delivery. She was there by our side. We had this little preemie who was perfectly healthy, and we got to go home with him. And then um, fast forward years later, I had another and then another, and uh, she was there for, for three of the five. Um, I mean, you can't get them all, right? So uh, she, it was interesting to see her because she wasn't just there as a labor and delivery nurse. She was there as my friend. And um, she, that's just the kind of person she, she is. So one day when she was on shift at work, she had a fall. Um, she had a seizure. She hit the floor really hard. And it caused her to have a traumatic brain injury. Um, and it was, it was pretty severe. It changed her personality. It changed her understanding of the world around her. It changed who she was. Um, but she still, of course, had that light in her heart that we all just enjoyed to be around. And she went to a, a brain clinic, and um, her husband, Joe, was telling me that because Kathy was always just so independent, and she, didn't, she was a caretaker. So interestingly, as a nurse, her husband was also a nurse, so you've got these two caretakers who are also both very independent people, and they want to take care of each other, but they want to take care of themselves. So I'm sure you can imagine uh, how interesting the dynamics were there. But when she was going to be going to the the brain clinic, um, Joe was telling me that she was adamant that she would get herself to the clinic. She couldn't drive at this point. And uh, Joe was like, Kathy, I've taken some time off. I'll take you. It's okay. And she was like, nope, I'll figure it out. I'll get there myself. And he told me it would take her a couple of hours to get to the bus stop that was around their corner. So it was hard to see the, that big change in her. Um, she was no longer able to work bedside as a nurse, which was her passion and her love. However, um, she was able to do charting. And um, she was adamant that she needed to continue working because she wanted her brain to heal and repair from the injury. Uh, and she felt that the best way to do that was to continue working, to continue doing things. And additionally, she wanted her three kids to see that you never give up. You just keep, you work, you fight, you keep going. Um, while she was at the, the brain clinic, uh, one of the things that they did was they, they, they did some writing. And I wanted to share with you guys something that Kathy wrote. And this was in 2009, February 2009. Uh, it's called, The Vase is Leaking and I Shall Soon Suffocate. There once was a vase that had a brief fall. Although the fall was over, the work to rebuild the vase continued. There were many skilled potters working to restore the beautiful vase. Finally, glue was found, which made the vase appear quite healthy. It looked good. You could move the vase around the house, and it would be glorious, basking in the sunshine and enjoying the simple life. While others were celebrating the return of the vase and its abilities to once again tackle its many tasks, the vase could still feel the cracks. It went through life attempting to be the vase everyone knew and loved, fearful that someday all would be revealed and once again the vase's many cracks would show. The vase tended to protect itself, carefully entering only into situations where the cracks would not be stressed. Sometimes, though, something would happen and ever so briefly a crack would show. The vase was skilled and would attempt to quickly shut the cracks and once again be ready for service. Before the accident, the vase held many beautiful roses, picked especially for it from a loving husband's home garden, grown and tended only for the purpose of showing the vase how great his love and dedication. The man loved to fish, and one day, in what was thought of as a stroke of genius for the man, he combined his two loves and placed a small goldfish in the vase along with the roses. 
Under the strain of the new arrangement, the vase began to show many more cracks. Water began to to seep slowly out, and as the pressure built up, it was apparent that soon the entire vase would be shattered into all of the pieces once again. The goldfish grew concerned. The very water which was seeping out was also its breath of life. One needed the other, and recognizing the danger, the fish began to panic. Unfortunately for the fish, it was hidden, trapped inside the vase and unable to express its fear, and even its anger at the present situation. I am the vase. I am the fish. I am trapped within myself, unable to speak the words, unable to show my emotions, unable to reach out for help, wanting only to call out and say, I am here. See me for who I am, not who I was. Listen to my silence. I cannot come out. Please reach in. Pull me to you. For the cracks are leaking, and I shall soon suffocate. After Kathy wrote that, she asked me if I would work together with her. Um, I'm a photographer. She asked me if I would work with her to create a picture um, of what she was envisioning. And um, we did that project together. It was um, amazing. It was fun. Uh, Kathy, while she was different, she was still my very dear friend who I love deeply and dearly. And she still had her quirky personality. And um, I loved being around her. And we created the, the project together, which um, I brought this morning. It's here if you want to check it out after service. Uh, we have the image of the roses and the goldfish. The roses were picked from her, from her garden that her husband always grew for her. And... Um, uh, we put the words with it, and she was able to display it at the brain clinic, uh, which was really special to her because she was, I think, she beautifully expressed what was going on inside of her mind and heart after that, that accident. Um, soon after that fall, Kathy became um, sick, and she needed to get blood transfusions. She was still working hard, probably too much. Uh, Joe kept trying to convince her that she needed to kind of step back a little bit. And she wasn't having it. She was working, and she would need to get blood transfusions uh, once a month. And then from monthly, it went to weekly. From weekly, it went to multiple times a week that she was getting transfusions. Uh, and her husband, again, he's a nurse. He wanted her to stop working, and he wanted to take care of her. But um, she wouldn't allow it. And then it came to a point where uh, Kathy started spitting up blood, and Joe rushed her to the ER. And she was put in the ICU, and they found that she had blood in her lungs. Um, They needed to do a bone marrow biopsy. And in her prior treatments, uh, years, years, years before, uh, they had tested her um, brother and sister to see if they would be a match in the event at that time that she would need a bone marrow transplant, and they were not a match. Um, Fortunately, at that time, it wasn't necessary. But now at this time, when they did the... um, when they did the biopsy, they found that she needed a bone marrow transplant. Um, and the, the biopsy came back that she had um, an aggressive form of cancer and that she would, in fact, need a transplant. So, of course, enter in prayer of the people around us. And everybody's praying just diligently for Kathy's health and for there to be a match, and which is hard when you don't have a familial match and came back with an 8 out of 10 match, which is miraculous. Um, It's pretty much unheard of to have an 8 out of 10 match if it's not a family member. But here's uh, some random guy on the East Coast that's an 8 out of 10 match, and she was able to get a transplant. They were going to be at uh, Stanford, and because the treatment 
once she were once she had the transplant and she would need to be in recovery, she would need to be close by the hospital. So her husband got an apartment out near Stanford so that he could be close to her. And also when the time came that she was able to go to outpatient, that she would be close by the hospital. So um, she had the transplant. The transplant went really smooth. She, um, a little bit of graft versus host disease is very normal. After somebody has a transplant, you're introducing foreign bodies into your body. And she did have a little bit of graft versus host disease, so they started treatment for that. Um, uh, but recovery went, was going well, and she was able to be moved to outpatient. So she was spending some time in the Stanford Clinic. She was able to go out to the apartment on occasion. Um, so this was kind of an ongoing thing. And eventually she developed a fever. So she had to go back into the hospital inpatient. And um, Joe was sitting with her one night having a full conversation. Um, everything seems okay. That night, he went back to the apartment and found out that she had had a seizure during the night. And after the seizure, she became um, non-communicative within 24 hours. Uh, They did a CT scan. And when they were bringing her into the CT scan, um, she was not communicating, but Joe told her multiple times, I love you, Kathy, I love you, Kathy. And um, she replied... I love you too. And then went into the scan. So keeping in mind that um, Joe's a nurse. So nurses, you can't hide things from them. You know, doctors kind of try to shield us from certain things. You can't shield a nurse from those things. When the CT CT scan came back, they saw that she had actually uh, contracted because of her super weak or non-existent immune system. She had contracted a fungal infection that very invasively took over her brain, and it was also, they found, in her lungs. Um, Kathy would not recover from this. Her last words were the words that she said to Joe, I love you too. And we lost Kathy on November 22nd, 2010. Sorry. Um, not sorry. <laughs> um, so it's been almost nine years that we lost Kathy, and clearly it's still impacting the people around us. Um, I want to read you guys James five thirteen through 16. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I have seen people hurt throughout time by the teaching within the church that God wants to heal every sickness, every disease, every hardship. And the idea that a Christian who is suffering or a believer who is suffering um, is suffering because they aren't praying hard enough or because their faith isn't strong enough or because they have some sort of secret sin in their life, that is such a hurtful teaching. And I don't believe that it is a biblical teaching. That can cause a lot of overwhelming feelings of guilt. It can cause uh, disillusionment for those who are suffering in times when God chooses not to heal. 
And we might ask ourselves why, and we can ask God why, uh, but sometimes healing does not come. I was diagnosed with rheumatoid disease a few years ago, and I would love for God to cure me. I still have the disease, but I've received healing in so many other ways. I have learned to be more patient. I've learned to slow down. I've learned to ask others for help. I've learned to be more uh, dependent on the grace that God has to offer um, and find comfort in him rather than on my own strength and my own abilities. Um, I'm, I tend to be a go, go, go kind of person. I want to do stuff all the time, even uh, like nine months pregnant moving furniture in our house instead of waiting for Ezra to get home and help me. And he's looking at me like, why are you doing that? Um, so, you know, fast forward and now I have this, this disease that can, it can slow me down sometimes, um, even knock my feet out from under me. Uh, and I've learned to ask for help. And that is not a bad thing because God tells us in the, in scripture that his power is made perfect in our weakness. And, um, a wise man once said to me, Karen, you love to help other people. So why is it that when other people want to help you, you say no, or you put the brakes on that. You feel so blessed when you're helping others. Why are you stealing them from their blessings? And I was like, what? Stealing people of their blessings? That is, that kind of hit me a little hard. That wise guy was my husband. Um, <laughs> smart man. <laughs> smart man, yes. So um, it, it's been, this has been such an important and life-changing disease for me. While it's not fun and God has not cured me, he has brought me healing in so many other ways. And um, there are great people of faith throughout the Bible who have been struck with ailments, and they were not healed or cured. Uh, Paul had problems with his eyesight. God never healed that. Lazarus was raised from the dead, but eventually died again. Um, Paul, he had a thorn in his flesh, which he prayed for God to remove over and over and over again. But God said, my grace is sufficient for you. That's the lesson that I've been having to learn, that God's grace is sufficient for me. Uh, Job, Job suffered because God had bigger plans for him. If you're not familiar with the story of Job, Job had so much. And Satan basically went to God and said, you know why he's always a faithful servant to you? It's because he has so much. And he wouldn't be faithful to you if he had nothing. And God said, that's not true. I know it's in Job's heart. Job loves me. Job will always honor me. And Satan was like, I don't think so. And so God gave Satan permission to torment him um, as long as he didn't kill him. And Satan, he is a tormentor, right? He did that. He went, struck out his, his, all of his children, lost his children, lost barely, like, pretty much everything, was covered in boils, was suffering and pain. Um, and Job did not stray from his faith. Job was upset. Job basically uh, aired his complaints to God. But Job did not walk away from God. Job did not turn away from God. Um, Job suffered a lot. And God allowed it. And that's a tough pill to swallow sometimes. So when we hear people within the church saying, if you're not healed, it's because you don't have faith. If you're not healed, it's because you have sin in your life. When Job is an example of somebody where that is not the case at all. God does heal. But healing is not always the only path that he chooses for us. Sometimes his perfect plan for our lives is to allow us to experience disease and illness and hardship Sometimes there's things that we learn through those experiences that we would never learn through a book or a seminar or through comfort and prosperity. Throughout Kathy's health crisis, she had so many people faithfully praying for her. 
When I got the call that we lost her, I went through a lot of confusing feelings. I couldn't fully process the reality of how permanent our loss of Kathy was. I didn't understand how I could be praying so fervently for her, and so many other people were praying so fervently for her healing and for her recovery and for it to end this way. I didn't understand how God could say in his word and his scripture that the prayer offered in faith would make the sick person well. That is written, so why didn't it happen? I couldn't help but ask if my prayers weren't powerful or effective because my faith was weak, and maybe my weak faith is what cost my friend her life. It took me some time before I realized that everything we've been praying for Kathy, for her to be healthy, for her to be strong, for her to recover, for her to have healing, everything that we had prayed actually happened. Kathy was healed. Kathy no longer has cancer. Kathy is free. Kathy is happier than any of us are right now in this moment. Uh, She was not cured. Her time on earth came to an end, but she will never suffer and she will never struggle again. The sting of her loss nine years ago, it's still very real. And I'm still learning from her because she left a legacy. Her husband has since remarried a very loving and very patient woman. She appreciates and respects the journey that her family's been through. She doesn't try to shut it out or ignore that there was another woman in their lives. She embraces it. And she also chooses to respect and honor Kathy. Kathy's daughter who's our oldest child, she reached out to me last year when I lost my mom very unexpectedly and very suddenly. And Amanda is her name. She spoke words of comfort to me from the perspective of somebody who lost an amazing mom. Her three beautiful children are carrying on her legacy of kindness, generosity, compassion, her great sense of humor, and they're all now passing that on to Kathy's grandchildren. Life can be awful, completely awful sometimes. Horrible things happen. We can be struck with illness, injury, pain. Sometimes people make bad choices and we're subjected to other people's bad choices that we had nothing to do with. Sometimes we get caught up in lies or addiction. Maybe you this morning need healing. Maybe it's physical, maybe it's emotional, maybe it's spiritual. Maybe you need comfort. Don't let the mistakes that other people have made or your own mistakes keep you from the forgiveness and the freedom and the healing that God wants to offer you. When you don't see what you want to see, and when you don't feel what you want to feel, God is still God, and we're called to keep on praying. Keep on praying. If you're suffering in any way this morning, Jesus Christ wants to be your Prince of Peace, because that's who he says he is. And I believe he is who he says he is. He is the Prince of Peace. If the God of miracles wants to heal whatever you're afflicted with, know who he is and that he can do that. He has all the power, all the might, all the strength. Don't let any sin in your life or any lack of faith be what's the the roadblock to an almighty, powerful God. Not for yourself or for others. When I read that scripture and it kind of hit hard about... um, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I thought, you know, I have family members who don't know Christ. I have friends who don't know Christ. 
And I'm praying for them. I want them to know that freedom and that love and that eternal joy that comes from a Savior who died for everyone, for all time, for all pain, for all suffering. He wants to end it all. I want my family members to know that. And I don't want to be the roadblock stopping my prayers from being powerful and effective. So I want to seek righteousness. What is righteousness? It's being right with God. It doesn't mean you're sin-free. It means you're seeking forgiveness. It means you're, you're making yourself right with him. And he's calling us to share that with others, with other people in your faith, confessing to one another so that you can be forgiven. Is it other people who forgive you? No, it's God himself. But there's accountability and there's strength that comes from sharing those things with your brothers and sisters. You may experience healing that comes from God, but you may not experience a cure. My friend Kathy, she wasn't cured. She was healed. She has a new body. She has everything that she once had and more. Um, She gets to praise God, and I will see her again, and I'm excited. I'm so excited for that day. Um, I like to think that she's hanging out with my mom, um, probably laughing a lot. Um, it's, you know, it brings comfort to imagine those things, and um, I'm grateful that I can picture that. I'm grateful that I can picture a kingdom that's been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ, and that he wants to be our Prince of Peace so that we can come together and be whole again. Your pain can be used for God's glory, and he will not waste the hardship that you've experienced in life, as long as you don't waste it. If we hold on to it, and we stuff it, and we keep it to ourselves then it just grows and festers. You know, we need to free. We need to be free from it. And Jesus set the path for that. And the only thing that can stand in the way is us, our own free will. So I wanted to have a, a time of prayer this morning because I don't like to just read scripture and be like, oh yeah, that's, that's what it says. That's what God says in the word. I like to actually do it. Um, so I'm going to read that scripture to you again, James 5, 13 through 16. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I've asked Andrea this morning if she would stand in the back with me um, while the worship team plays the last song. If you have anything that you would like prayer for, we'll be back there ready to pray for you while they're playing. Um, We can go as long as you need to go. Uh, I don't want anybody to feel that sense of like, uh, this is awkward, this is weird. It's not. You're a family here. We're all family. And scripture tells us, confess to one another, pray for each other, anoint with oil, and we are ready to do that. If there's somebody here that you feel more comfortable going to and say, hey, can I talk to you? Do it. Don't hold back. Let it go. And we're going to, the worship team's going to come up and um, let me pray real quick. And then Andrea and I will be in the back ready to pray for you guys. Lord Jesus, thank you for your Holy Spirit that you sent to teach us. And I just pray, God, for your spirit to be here this morning. And I just pray, Lord, that you would offer us your healing touch. God, I think about the woman that reached out and touched your cloak. And that you felt your power release and go into her. And it was her faith, God, that she reached out and touched knowing that you bring healing. And Lord, we just reach out to you and we touch your cloak this morning. And we ask that you would send your healing. 
through us, and to us. And I pray, Lord, that you would be with us right now. We invite you in, and thank you for who you are and what you're doing. In Christ's name, amen. Amen.